of. And uh, I titled this sermon, Our Highest Priority. And let's turn to first, well, you don't even have to turn if you don't want to, because I'm going to read out the Amplified Bible. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. And it says, But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces, and yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. And um, uh, I just wanted to talk tonight and, and spend some time. The Holy Spirit's been doing a work in me for about two months now on love. He's been really uh, uh, ministering to me. And, and, and one of, you know, God is, is so good because when he wants us to do something, he doesn't get a hammer and hit us over the head. You know, he gives a desire in our heart. You know, he, he leads us by desire. And so um, just overwhelming desire to walk in love and to, 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 be, to walk more in the love walk. Has it came over me, and it all kind of started with something Pastor Jim Brooks said to me and Pastor, and you know, just something he said in passing, and it just something just clicked in me about it, and so um, just spent the last two months really studying on love. That's about all I've studied on for two months, and uh, looking at love from different aspects and in different ways. And you know, one of the greatest things about love, and I'm not going to approach it from this direction, but uh, is how much God loves us. And we need to have a, a big revelation. We need to have it. Uh, uh, we need to have, we need to know uh, that love of God that passes knowledge. We need to be like Ephesians says there, that, that we might uh, uh, be rooted and grounded in love, in the fact that God loves us. I mean, be firm about it. Be unwavering about it, that God loves me. God loves us. God loves you. And, uh, <clears throat> and, but, and, and you know, it's so vitally important, and if you don't have that, then you're gonna. It, nothing's gonna work real good for you if you're not so assured of His love. If you're always wondering if you measure up. If you're always wondering if He really loves you. If you think some days He loves you and some days He doesn't. If you if you are still at that place where you think that He changes anything about His love based on what you do. Or if he even started loving you based on the fact that you got saved or that you know the Bible says while you were yet sinners. You know, and if God loved you so much while you were still a sinner, think how much he loves you now that you're his very own son or daughter. Amen? Just think how how much he loves you. And so we need that revelation of God loving us and that he loves us unconditionally. And I don't know if we fully understand what unconditionally means. And that He loves us eternally. That He will never change. He loved you before you were a thought to your mom and dad. Before you were in your mother's womb, the Bible says He had plans for you. And He knew you before then. And He already loved you. Amen. And and He loves you now. Amen. And He's going to love you eternally. And there's nothing that you could do, Romans says, that would separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? He says neither height nor depth. Nothing could separate you from that love. You can't do anything. There's not a, you know, you couldn't fly a jet into the Twin Towers and God say, I don't love you anymore because you did that. Amen? Now, that's kind of hard for the world to receive. But you know why you can receive that? And you can really believe that is because you've got a renewed mind. Amen? Your mind has been renewed by the Word of God to the fact that God loves you unconditionally and eternally. Amen? And so, I I bet I'm not going to teach on that tonight. (laughs) That's not the, that's so important. And I, and that's the most important thing that you have a revelation of that. The Bible says that, uh, that God is love. Amen. And until we understand, you know, that's one of the first things I learned in Sunday school was that little verse that God is love. Amen. And so, uh, uh, but and I got, but you know, you can hear that in Sunday school and still not have any revelation of it at all. 
Amen. And I was one of those that I knew it in Sunday school. I knew there was a scripture. Because, you know, in Sunday school or in our Sunday school, they always picked out the shortest scriptures for the little kids. And God is love is just three words. And, you know, Jesus wept. It's just two. Man, we had all those memorized, the short scriptures. And uh, and so, uh, so I had God is love memorized, but I didn't have any revelation of really what that meant. But uh, we'll get some tonight. Amen. As we go along. And so um, that's the most important thing is that we realize that God loves us. But there's another aspect of it, and it's, the, it's our love walk. And it's us walking in love. And you know most preachers don't preach on it. I don't even want to preach on it. And you know, really, I hadn't heard too many people preach on it. In fact, I don't. I can tell you, I've touched on it, but I don't think I've ever preached on it in in all the years that I've been preaching. And you know why we don't preach on it? Because we always feel like we don't measure up to it. And you know what? Though I was thinking on that and meditating on it, and I was thinking, Lord, if you're waiting for a preacher to measure up to this, nobody'll ever preach it. And you know, we don't approach faith that way. Even when our faith isn't perfected, we go ahead and teach faith. Amen. So we might as well go ahead and teach love, even though all of us know in here that nobody in here, pastor and I included, are perfected in this walking in the love walk thing. But we might as well go ahead and get some revelation on it, hadn't we? Amen. And so he said here in the Amplified Bible in 1 Corinthians 14, 30, excuse me, 12, 31, he said, for us to earnestly desire and cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces. And he said, yet I will show you still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all in love. He's saying love is better than the, 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 than the most choicest gifts. It's above everything. It's above every gift, even the highest gifts. It's above all the choicest graces. It's above all of those things that love is the greatest, uh, that is the greatest of all. And you know, when we talk about this kind of love, this love that's above all, we're not just talking about a feeling. Now, I don't know about you, but when we began to worship tonight, I felt the love of God flowing. I felt that divine flow of love, and I felt it flowing. And I like to feel that divine flow of love flowing. But love is not just a feeling. Love, well, actually, love is a person. God is love. But love is, is, is something we do also. Love is a showing. And so we're going to talk about showing the love of God tonight. I want you to turn over to John chapter 13 and verse 34. He says in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So Jesus introduced a commandment that was not in the Old Covenant or in the Old Testament. And He introduced a commandment. He's telling them, I'm giving you a new commandment. You know, He didn't give them this commandment in the Old Covenant because they couldn't do it. You know why they couldn't do it? Because they were sinners. They were, they, they were, uh, they were fallen man. And until man was born again, he could never d love the way Jesus said to love here. Because he didn't just say, I give you a commandment, love one another. He told them, he said, I'm giving you a com new commandment, love one another. How? Love, that last part of that verse says, <clears throat> as I have loved you, you also love one another. See, he took it a step higher than just, okay, I love you. He said, no, how are we to love? He said, just you love others just as I have loved you. So he's talking about that unconditional, eternal, never changing, no matter what you do, no matter how you act, yes. no matter how you treat me. Amen. And I tell you what, unborn again man cannot love that way. You cannot love that way unless you have a recreated human spirit. And even if you're born again and have a recreated human spirit, you have to make a choice to live out of there instead of out of here. Amen? Amen? It, you have to make a choice. I'm going to live out of my heart. Amen? Amen? The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When God uh, made you into a new creature... And the Bible says in one version, a, a never a creature never before created. He didn't just he didn't just heal your spirit. He made it a new, a whole new thing. Amen. Amen. You're not healed spiritually. You're a whole new being. 
You're a whole new creature. And when he did, he put the love of God, unconditional, eternal love inside of you. But we have, we have a choice to make. Every time we encounter, every day, all day, every day, we're making choices of whether to live from here, where the love of God is, or to live from here, which uh, in, when it's unrenewed, and all of us have to some level an unrenewed mind, Amen. When it's unrenewed, does just what the world would do. Oh my. Amen. Lives just like the world. And so we have those choices to make. Let me see what my next... Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And, and so we see here in these two verses... That, that the fruit of your recreated human spirit, in other words, if you live out of your spirit, this is the fruit that will come out of your spirit. This is the fruit that is capable of being born out of your spirit. You are capable of bearing these nine fruit. Amen? You are, you know, an apple tree is only capable of bearing apples, Right? And an and a, and a orange tree is only capable of bearing oranges. But you're a tree of righteousness, and you're capable, you're capable of bearing nine different fruit. Amen? Now, some Christians do, and some Christians don't, just like apple trees and just like orange trees. Some do, some don't. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and though every orange tree is capable, there are certain conditions that will cause that fruit to be good or bigger or, or more, product, more, more on the tree. And that's the way we are in our human spirit. We're capable of nine different fruit, one of them being love. But whether we bear fruit or not is really up to us. So in other words, what I'm saying is the fruit of the Spirit love is something that has to be cultivated. It's something that has to be developed. It's not just going to accidentally happen. If you know, uh, a pastor has a saying that anything left to itself just naturally goes to the devil. Anything in this world system that you don't work on and cultivate, it, it will naturally go the way of decay and unrighteousness, the way of the devil. And that's true of of you just don't 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 do anything to your yard for a while, and you'll see it'll go the it'll go the way of the curse, won't it? Just don't do something to your house for a while, and eventually it'll just fall down, won't it? And, 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 and if we don't constantly develop and, and, and take action and, and choose and make progress spiritually, we'll just naturally not bear fruit. In fact, we'll naturally start producing a fruit that comes from the flesh. Amen? That is not, that is not uh, uh, of God at all. And so... Uh, <coughs> The fruit of the Spirit here. Love can be born. Now, I was um, got a catalog. I've been getting a lot of catalogs the last two weeks. I guess Christmas is coming. They're all wanting us to buy something, you know. And I got one from Harry and David. Y'all ever get a Harry and David catalog? Man, they got some pears in there. Now, I don't know. We can't buy pears in our grocery store like those kind of pears. Those things are jumbo things. And, you know, and you know that's, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, that's how we're supposed to be when it comes to bearing the fruit of the Spirit and bearing love. We're supposed to be bearing that high quality. You know, uh, I noticed also, have you all ever been over to Clanton, to the Peach Park? Y'all know where Clanton, Alabama is. Y'all know where the big water tower that's got a peach on it, you know? Well, there's the Peach Park. And, you know, it's called... They, they, Chilton County is known for its peaches. Anybody that's from Alabama. You know, us people that were transplants know more about Alabama than y'all do. We made it our business to know. We know more about Tuscaloosa than y'all. I mean, we made it our business to know about this state. And so Chilton County is famous for its peaches, and they make wonderful peaches. But I discovered something about two years ago, because you go down to the grocery store here to Food World in about June, end of June, and you'll see a sign. It'll say Chilton County Peaches, and they'll have baskets, even down down here on McFarland, I'll just in front of Compass Bank, you'll see trucks set up and they're selling Chilton County peaches. But I found out something. You know what? They keep the best Chilton County peaches, some of them about that big around. They keep them right there in Chilton County, sell them right there on the interstate. They don't bring them over here to Tuscaloosa and let us sell them. No, you got to go to Chilton County to get those best peaches. Amen. And you know, we can bear that kind of fruit spiritually. 
I was watching on TV the other night, and they had this pumpkin growing contest, and and um, I'm telling you, them people were growing some pumpkins, and, and one, I mean, there's one that was big as my bed. It weighed 1,300 pounds, this pumpkin. You gotta do some work. You gotta cultivate. You gotta develop. I mean, they gave attention to it, didn't they? They didn't just throw a seed out there and say, oh, I hope you do something. <laughs> No, they worked on this pumpkin. They did, I don't know what all they did, but they did something. Now, they had a, they had a motivation. What? They got a $10,000 prize for growing the biggest pumpkin, you know? And this thing was Mongo. I mean, it was big. And that's how the fruit of the Spirit is. We got to give some attention to this thing. We got a desire to bear these fruits. We got a desire. We need to have a desire to walk in love. And, and you know, there's several motives for our desire. One could be to please the Lord. And that's a good motive. One could be to be more Christ-like. And that's a good motive. But you know, there's another motive for walking in love. And that is when you have a revelation that it, just like that scripture said, that it's the more excellent way. That it's more blessed, not only for the people that receive your love and the love of God through you, but, but more blessed for you. That, that it just, that, that things just, that, that things, there's, there's a flow to it, that there's a blessing to it, that there's a reward for it, that it's really, even though it takes some effort to develop it, and it, you have to make choices to do it, that once the choice is made, and once you walk in and begin to act in love, that there's more reward to it. That your life is going to be more blessed if you choose the love walk versus that lower place. Amen? And you know, I, I, the last two months, God's been doing a work in me concerning love. And it's been on my heart to try and to believe God. And not just to try, but to believe God with my faith. And to make some choices to walk in love. Well, when you do that, the devil tries. And, and I tell you, I, we've encountered more persecution in the last two months than we have in years. Well, why? Because the devil doesn't like you walking in love. Amen. Amen. Because why? He knows it's the more excellent way. And But I'll just tell you that I noticed that in this persecution, and I'm talking about some of it pretty, um, actually, very nasty per persecution, some of it. And I just noticed, though, that it's something about when you actually are walking in love and you've made a choice to walk in love, it's like you're kind of Teflon coated or something. It's like things that you would normally say, Ooh, that was nasty. You just kind of nearly kind of laugh about. It's like it doesn't bother you. See, I'm telling you, there's benefits to walking in love. And it's like you, there's a peace about walking in love. There's a rest about it. Whereas the other opposite effect, when somebody does something to you and you, you begin to rant and rave. Does anybody in Alabama know what ranting and raving is? Amen. And you begin to say, I'm just going to tell them and I'm just going to let them know. And I bless God, they just need to hear this from me. I tell you, you know what that does? Even hear me doing it. All of a sudden, I could feel the muscles in my neck tightening up. My adrenaline starts flowing, and I'm telling you, it's not even healthy. And then we go to bed, and adrenaline's flowing, and stomach acid is pouring into your stomach. And I'm telling you, you know, you've got yourself, instead of in the peace of God, you've, I see, I worked myself up right there. I could, my blood pressure, I could feel, I could feel the arteries in my neck just tightening up, you know? See, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a good side for you, is what I'm saying. When you choose to walk in love. And you know, over in uh, Acts chapter, uh, I believe it's in chapter 7, I was thinking of Stephen where this is concerned. I'm telling you, when you walk in love, you're Teflon coated. When you walk in love, things just don't affect you. And I was thinking about Stephen. Now, I'm of the opinion, and if you disagree with me, that's fine, but you're not going to change my mind on it, that God's never desired not one person to ever be a martyr. That it is not His will for anybody to be a martyr. And that when martyrs are martyred, they're martyred because they don't have a revelation. And I know, man, I tell you, that, that, that'll stand religion on its ear. But I don't believe it's God's will. Because, see, it goes against other Scripture. You know, and Stephen here, he was a martyr. We know he got stoned. But I'll show you why he got stoned here in just a minute. First of all, he opened himself up for this, for this attack by being disobedient. He was 
by God, chosen to be a deacon. Y'all remember? They said, look ye out among you. And, and he was one of the ones chosen to be a deacon. Those deacons were chosen to serve the Grecian widows. Amen? Y'all remember that? Well, <clears throat> the Bible says, though, over in, if you look in, in Acts chapter 6, in verse 9, it says, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Okay, he's called to serve Grecian widows, and now all of a sudden he's over in the synagogue disputing with these people. Let me ask you something. Doesn't the New Testament say something about uh, ministers and that we're not supposed to dispute with people? So all of a sudden, he's doing something he's not supposed to. How many of you know that gives place to the devil? Amen. Amen. So the devil, uh, an uprising, rose up against Stephen, and he preaches them a two-page sermon. We're not going to read all that, but for two pages, he preaches at these people, ending with something like, "Ye stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And goes on in there, and he, man, he slays them. Amen. And, uh, <clears throat> but it says, and so it says they gnashed their teeth at him, and they took up stones to stone him. But then look in verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. I want to tell you something. Once you've seen it, it's hard to live on earth. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. But I want to tell you something. The reason he saw the glory of God was because of one thing, if you drop down in verse 60, it says, He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Let me tell you something. This man was walking in love. He was Teflon-coated. Now, uh, one of Dr. Cho's associate pastors several years ago, he uh, died. His, sis, his wife and his daughter had gotten killed or gotten sick and died, and he got over into grief. It's dangerous to get over into grief. And he had gotten over into grief and didn't let Jesus bear his grief, which he did on the cross, you know. And when he did, he got sick. And when he did, he died. And he had been dead three or four days, and they had him in the funeral parlor in a casket. All the associate ministers of Dr. Cho's church at that time, which was about, it was several years ago then, but he, I think he had about 300 associate ministers then, were in the room with him. And this man had been in heaven about three or four days. One of the things that he relates that he did in heaven was talk to Stephen. He saw Stephen and he talked to him. And he said, Stephen, didn't it hurt when they stoned you? And he said, I didn't feel a thing. He said, I was in the glory. I didn't feel anything. I'm telling you, when you walk in love, you're Teflon coated. And this guy, Stephen, was walking in love. He, it, it, he disobeyed God, opened himself to the devil, but that doesn't discount the fact that he was walking in love towards these people. The thing that caused him to disobey God was the fact that he had so much love for his fellow brethren, the Jews. He loved them. He loved them so much. He wanted them to know what he knew. And that's not an excuse for doing something God didn't ask you to do, but the love of God was on him for these people, and it pulled him over into the synagogue trying to convince them of something he wasn't going to convince them of. Amen. Amen. And so he was walking along. Well, let me finish the Dr. Cho story, even though that's not the point I was going to make. But however, Jesus came to this, uh, this associate pastor. He said, your work on earth is not finished. You have to go back. The man had been dead three or four days. I can't remember which. He sat up in the casket. Dr. Cho told this story himself. His associate pastors were so scared, they all ran out of the room screaming, y'all, we're really not prepared for the dead to be raised, are we? <laughs> and so Anyway, so he relates these stories when he gets back about how he had talked to Stephen and some other things too. Uh, but so Stephen is walking in love. And the, the love, he's, he's walking in love and he is Teflon coated. He gets stoned and he don't feel anything. Now I want you to notice here, I was going to tell you how come he died. Look in verse 57. It says... Uh, um, it, it says in 56, And behold, I see the heavens open... 
and, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He's, he's seen the glory, and he's seen the heavens open. He's seen the Son of Man. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. See, they stoned him while he was calling upon God and saying, Look what he said. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now he could have said, I'll live and not die and declare the illustrious acts of the Lord. Couldn't he have said that? He could have said, God, you said you'd satisfy me with long life. Couldn't he have said that? And I want you to look at there. When they finished stoning him, he's not even dead. But he said, Lord, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Well, we get what we say. We get our prayers answered. Amen. He didn't have to be a martyr is my point. But my point also is when you walk in love, you're Teflon coated. Amen. You're Teflon coated when you walk in love. Turn over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. So there's a great benefit for us to make a choice to walk in love. It's just a more healthier way to live. Amen? It's a more blessed way to live. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> the Bible says in 1 John 4.20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You know, what, they're what the Lord's telling us here is that it's impossible to say, I love God and hate other people. You, you cannot love God and hate people. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. You know, you can't love God and dislike people. I can't dislike you and love you at the same time. I can't say, you know, I love you, Leanne, but I really don't like you. You know that's impossible. That is impossible. That's a worldly way of thinking. Now, I can love you and not like what you did or not like what you do. But one thing I'm going to have to be real careful of when I'm with somebody and I'm in that position is I'm going to have to be careful to keep that straight because it's real easy. You know, they say the, the, the line between love and hate's real fine. Well, what they're saying is it's real easy to slip over. Amen. When somebody's doing something you don't like, it's real easy. If you don't guard your heart, if you don't make an act of your will, if you don't choose to walk in the love of God, you'll slip over just because it's the human way. You'll slip over into the flesh and you'll start hating them. Amen. And uh, uh, I can, well, what you have to do, uh, like one minister said, is you've got to separate their who from their do. You've got to keep the who and do separated. I can love you if I'll stay on the who and forget the do. Amen. We're not so be so much concerned about what other people do. We're far too concerned about what people do. Right. We're much, much, much too uh, concerned. If we'd focus on number one here, and I'm not saying get caught up in, in getting your eyes on yourself, but I'm saying if we'd quit working on other people, start working on us, you know? Because, you know, really, you're not, how many of you already figured out you can't change anybody? That only the Holy Spirit can change people. You know, wives need to figure out they can't change their husbands. But us wives, we got the attitude, I know I can't change him, but I'll die trying, you know. <laughs> you, know? you know, we got that. And you know, you can't change her. I don't know, for some reason, it doesn't seem like men try to change their wives as much as women try to change their husbands. I guess that's just a weakness of the, of the woman flesh. Amen. <clears throat> But we need, to, we need to realize that we're not, we can't change anybody. And you know, all we're doing is creating those juices we were talking about. We're just stewing in our juice, like my grandmother used to say. We're just, we're just, we're just fretting and, and carrying on, and it's not changing anything, is it? Amen? I found in my husband's life, and you know, just to be real honest, that the Lord's had to change him in every area that he's ever changed in since we've been married. And there's some areas I've worked on for, for 28 years. Amen. And there's some, there's, I mean, he's worked on me for 28 years to turn off the lights in the house. And you know what? I still don't do it. And he's worked on me for 28 years not to set my purse on the car. But I sneak around and do it. I mean, I'll look around to see if he's looking and I want to 
tie my shoe or something and I'll set my purse on the car. You know, there's just something about us that the Holy Spirit has to change us. Amen? And you're just like that too. I, I know I've been trying to get him to quit using different, you know, the closet. Men do not have a concept of closet. It's kind of chairs, couches, you know, become just any, you can, anything that you can drape over. Amen? What is it with y'all? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Okay. But we can't change people. And if we don't, we got to keep their who and their do separated. If we're going to walk in love, I just got to stay focused on who. Well, if you're a Christian, here's how I can love you. Bless God. I don't care what they do. They're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God loves them. God's not focused on their faults and their weaknesses. Amen. So I'm just going to focus on the fact that they're my brother and sister in Christ. Now, if they're not your brother and sister in Christ, and if they're the lost, I can take a different approach. I can say, I can say, well, you know, the reason you act the way you do is because your father's devil. I don't tell them that. <laughs> but, you know, I can kind of I can kind of understand why you're acting that way when I realize your, de- your father is the devil. Amen. No wonder you act this way. Hallelujah. And then I can come from the approach of, but Jesus died for you. And Jesus loved you so much, and still does, that while you're a sinner, He loves you so much. And then if He can love you that much, then He through me can love you. And one thing I've found, and I'm not protecting this, I'm not even pretending to be. Listen, if you're going to walk the love walk, one thing you're going to do is you're going to be repenting a lot. You're going to be telling, Lord, now I missed it there. I'm sorry. I know I didn't walk in love. I go to Walmart and every time I decide I'm going to quit going because when I come out, I got to repent because I didn't walk in love. You know, I'm mad at a checker. I'm mad. You know, when Sam Walton had Walmart before he died, you were next in line at Walmart. Remember that? You are not next in line. You are not third in line. You are not fifth in line anymore. You are way back. They don't have enough checkers in there to, you know, and the ones they have. Well, we won't talk about that. But, you know, and don't send this. Well, maybe she ought to send this type to him. No. But anyway, you know, uh, you're going to be doing some repenting because you're not perfected in it yet. But I, I'm growing in it. I'm getting better. Hallelujah. Are you getting better? And one thing I have found that really helps me, especially when somebody's been, now I'm not just talking about checkers at Walmart here, but I'm talking about when somebody really uh, tries to send something my way. You know, and it seems like, man, that was that was a cheap shot. That was directed. That was bad. One thing I try to say is, and if they're really unlovely people, there's some unlovely people in this world. But you know, and you may say, yeah, and you're one of them. But I, and I can understand that because you know I'm trying to walk in love, but I, I, my personality style before has been compared to a barracuda, and I understand that, you know, and I'm working on it. But um, uh, anyway, uh, one thing I say, and I have found that this works for me, is I say, Lord, you know, I know the love of God shed abroad in my heart. So I, I'm having a lot of trouble in my natural side loving this person. Would you love them through me? And you know, I found it works. I found that, you know, I can pray that prayer, and in two or three days, I'll have that, I, all of a sudden, the thought of them will come to my mind, and, and instead of a, a compassion feeling, Will, will, will rise up in me. And sometimes my head fights it. See, your head will fight what your heart's trying to do. Your heart will have a compassion, a, 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 a feeling of, of uh, mercy towards them, and your head will cram it down, you know. Your head will say, yeah, but. But what they did. And you know, um, you know what? If, you know, if you are... If you are Looking for ways to love people. In other words, if I look at you and I go, I'm going to look for the things in you that I can love. You know, in the world, I've heard that even taught before. Look for the things you can love in people. Look, but you know, if I, I have discovered that all of us are pretty much unlovely in a lot of ways. And that if, you're, if you just approach it from that of I'm looking for the things in you that I can love that you will love very, very few people in this world. Because you won't find many people that have very many things in them that you can love. See, you got to go from God's side. Amen? And also, if you go from the... If you don't get over on the love of God's side, you're going to be love... You're going to just love me one day. 
But the next day, you're not going to love me so much. And you know, and a lot of people operate like that. I mean, we have people come up to us. Oh, pastor, I love you. Pastor, you have helped me so much. And you know what? They really mean it. But if they're living, if, if they don't watch it, it won't be two weeks till their head will start talking. And, and pastor will have said something or done something or made a decision or, or, or didn't do something just a certain way and all of a sudden their head's talking instead of their heart and they're madder than hops. Amen. And you know, we're all that way we, with everybody. You know, I may really feel the love of God for you tonight, but if I'm in my head, it can change so fast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to... Uh, uh, I'm going to read Galatians. Did I read Galatians to y'all? Did we read Galatians? Somebody help me. Galatians chapter 5. Some say yes, some say no. Okay. I'm going to read it to you again. Anyway, from the Amplified. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. You just listen because this is Amplified. For if we are in Christ Jesus... Now, I don't think I read this one. Okay. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts. Now, what is he saying there? If I'm in Christ Jesus, what he's saying is works don't count. Did you know your works don't count? Works don't count. But he goes on to say, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith. See, you're not going to get anything from God on works. The only way you can get anything from God is how? Through faith. And so... It doesn't count for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. The only thing that's going to get anything from God is faith working. Now, faith works. I don't want to give you the impression. I told you works don't count, but faith always works. Faith always has a corresponding action. Faith always takes a step. You know, the Bible says we walk by faith. Walk implies movement. You know, faith does not just sit there and say, oh, God will do something someday. No, faith has an action. There's a corresponding work with faith, and it's through love. Amen? Y'all catch what I'm saying? So only faith working through love will do anything. And we're not going to have any confidence in our faith if we don't know that God loves us and I'll tell you something else that undermines our confidence of faith is when we're not walking in love with other people. Why? Because our spirit convicts us. If we're not walking in love, the Spirit of God will convict us on the inside. And when we're convicted, we will not have confidence. So we have to do this walking in love. Um, <clears throat> John 13, verse 35. Let's read that. Now, we're going to see some other things someday. I don't know when we'll teach this again, but I know we're going to because we're going to be talking about this for a while but, and possibly next Wednesday night. And then the next, the next week we're getting into our camp meeting. <clears throat> Praise God. By the way, I was supposed to announce, and I'm going to say it now so I won't forget it. Sunday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be at the new building for you to see it and for you to, uh, for Pastor to give you some of the plans and uh, and reveal some of the plans and also to get your input and feedback and for us to get on the same page about what needs to be done and everything. So that'll be Sunday night at 6 o'clock, okay? Out at the new building. And, and uh, <clears throat> if you don't know where that is, see us after the service. First, uh, John chapter, what did I tell you? John chapter 13, verse 35. Okay, it says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. The trademark of us as Christians is that we love one another. I, I think we, in the body of Christ, I believe God's doing a work of love. I know we've heard a lot about end-time revival. We've heard a lot about harvest. We've heard a lot about the final outpouring of the Spirit and all the gifts of the Spirit that will be manifested and all the healings. But I'll tell you one of the biggest things, and I think really the greatest, and I think before God gets into those things, He's doing a work of love in the body of Christ. I don't believe I'm unique. I don't think He's just working in me to walk in love. I believe He's working in all of us to walk in love and to show the love of God. Amen? And to live in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So that's going to be part of the, what God does proceeding. We're not very good at the gifts of the Spirit when we're not walking in love. Why? Faith works by love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Now, uh, John 13, 35 there said that the love of God is that, that the way they know we're His disciples is that we love one another. So that's our trademark, isn't it? Now, and we learned, and I told you this already, but I'll tell you where the scripture is. First John 4, 8 says God is love. Now we'll look at John 14, 9. You're right there. John 14, 9. Now remember that the Bible says God is love because it's going to tie all this together. John 14, 9 says, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Now, <clears throat> because Ephesians tells us that God is love, we could technically take the word love, and anywhere the word God is used, we could put the word love. So let's look at this scripture in that light. Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen love. He that hath seen me hath seen love. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Now, that's where this pertains because they, the, the Bible said God is love. The Bible, we could, without taking anything away from it, take those two scriptures and say, when people saw Jesus, they saw love. Now, let's go over to 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We're talking about being a demonstration of the love of God that we're to walk in love and we're to demonstrate the love of God. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did to beseech you by us. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Him. And if they saw Christ, they saw love. So when they see us as ambassadors, if we're ambassadors, when they see us, what are they supposed to see? When, they, when the world sees us, they're supposed to see love. And they'll know we're His disciples by our love. When they see us, they're supposed to see love. Well, I can be honest with you, in the past, and the Bible says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, did He? He came to love the world. He didn't come to condemn them. But what is we have done as Christians in the body of Christ, what have we tried to do? We've tried to condemn them. And you know, I, we're a church that preaches no condemnation. You know, we preach that a lot. And I figured out, you know, for the first time recently. The reason God doesn't condemn us is because you can't condemn somebody and love them at the same time. Amen. God can't condemn me and love me at the same time. He loves me. Amen. He loves the world. Amen. Amen? He can't condemn the world and love the world at the same time. He's not condemning people. Well, I know in my earlier years, sometimes when we're young Christians, we're pretty zealous, aren't we? And we want to condemn people. We're trying to get them... We're, our motive is pure. We want them to come over to our side. We want, them to, we want them to see what we see and know what we know and feel what we feel and experience what we experience. And we know that that sin that they're in is going to lead to death, don't we? Because it did for us. And so we're trying to get them out of it. But sometimes instead of showing the love of God and, and being a demonstration, being an ambassador of love, we try to condemn them. I know, uh, uh, and, and one of the ways we condemn them is by being having a preachy attitude or, or being condescending about what they do. And, 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 and Lawrence, I don't think, you don't care if I share about your love story. <laughs> well, you know, he shared, this impacted my life so much, what you shared. I have meditated on it for six weeks or so, however long he shared this. But he went into a movie theater to see the, that latest Christian movie that's out, I forget the name of it. Uh, okay, Megiddo. And, um, and he said he went up to buy a Coke, and you know how expensive they are, $275 or something, you know. And, uh, and he said, he said something like, wow, or something, that's expensive. Phew. And the girl said to him behind the counter, she said, well, what you need to do is get your wife to carry a big purse and bring your own drinks in. And he said, well, I've done it, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and I justify myself by saying they don't have anything caffeine-free that I will drink, you know. But anyway, I actually put a, a diet caffeine-free Coke in my purse. <laughs> I wasn't under conviction about it until Lawrence said something about it. But anyway, I don't know if I can do it now or not. I hadn't been to the movie. And so anyway, but I'm impressed with the loves part. And anyway, he said... That, that she said that to him, and he opened his mouth to say, well, I couldn't do that because that wouldn't be, uh, 
that would violate my conviction or, you know, and he said he, he tried to say those words. I couldn't do that because that wouldn't be right and that would, that would violate my heart and my convictions. He said, I, I tried to form those words and they wouldn't come out. And he said, um, he felt so bad about it after he said he just kind of muttered something and, and then he felt so bad about it later. And he prayed and he said, Lord, I, I should have said something and, and I don't know why I didn't say something and I tried to say something and it wouldn't come out. And he really prayed about it and he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said to him, he said, she was trying to show you love. That was her way of loving you. And if you had said something, it would have put her under condemnation. And it would have hurt her because she was trying to show you love. And I'm telling you, that impacted me so much. I knew that that was right when he shared that story. And it, it impacted me. Because how many times do we, thinking we're standing up for righteousness, just walk all over their feelings, trying to tell them things they couldn't understand anyway. There is no way they could understand. Now, y'all know how much I hate Halloween. I just hate Halloween. I just hate it with a purple passion. I'm just always so thrilled on November 1st because they're going to get rid of all that crud that they've had out since. You know, I just hate it. You know, and why I hate it is because I hate the devil. And I know that, that, that I, Pastor and I see every day the devil doing bad things to people. People's lives being destroyed by the devil. And I hate seeing people celebrate his holiday. But you know, for a lot of years... I probably put a lot of people under condemnation. But God's changed my heart. And you know, I go and get my nails done. Y'all all know that. And uh, anyway, and uh, the girls that I am associated with, uh, one of them, two of them are Christians, but they're not, you know, they don't have a lot of revelation yet. And then some of them are really living a life that is really different <laughs> and it's not Christ-like and you know but God's had me there three years not saying and they know I'm a minister's wife and they I don't I he's had me there not saying anything not putting them under any condemnation for their lifestyles not saying not putting them any and you know you know one of them says to me when I get there nearly every time yeah, I just got to have a break. Do you care if I go smoke first? I always say, oh, sure, sure, go, go. You know, not putting them under any condemnation. You know, God's been having me not say nothing. And just, just you know, sometimes it takes years to build a relationship. You can't just be a witness for two weeks sometimes. And so, um, <clears throat> because I'm a minister's wife, there's been some persecution from some of the girls. Because, you know, they just automatically... You know, because you bring people under conviction when you've got the Holy Spirit within you. And so there was, there was this persecution that for about two and a half years I could feel, you know, a persecution specifically from one girl. I could just feel a persecution coming from her. And, but I just, you know, I've just tried to just be real low-key and just show the love of God and, and, you know, don't even say very much about our choices and our lifestyle. Sometimes I'll say things like, well, we're going to buy a new church building or something. But, you know, I, don't, I just don't preach at them or anything. And uh, so uh, about two months ago, I noticed this one girl who is probably not a Christian. If she is, she's way, way far from her, from it. And uh, I noticed her attitude toward me began to change. And she started kind of being nice to me, you know. And... Uh, so on Halloween day, I was in there, and this was, I mean, this was amazing. She came up behind me, and she put her hands on my shoulders. And she said, do you want some Halloween candy? And I said, oh, yes. And she said, what do you want, Snickers or Reese's? I said, Snickers. And she went over across the room, got me two little Snickers, and brought them over there. And you know, because of Lawrence's story, you know what I knew? She was loving me. She was showing me the love of God. Now, they had already asked me, well, why aren't you dressed up for Halloween? You know, I didn't say anything. I said, oh, I'm just not real into it. You know, I didn't say anything about, we don't believe in Halloween. We don't celebrate the devil's holiday. I'm even telling them, oh, your shirt's cute, you know, with pumpkins. And, and you know, it is kind of cute if you like that kind of stuff. You know, I mean... 
It don't do any good, family. They don't, they don't have any... Re- they're going to have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues before they're going to have any revelation of any of those kind of things. Amen? The Bible didn't say they'll know we are his, they will know we are His disciples because of the righteous stance we take. Because we stand up and preach boldly against everything the devil does and against their cruddy lifestyles. He said they'll know we're Christians because we love them. I don't know about you, but I'm wanting to love them like never before. Amen? I was raised in cigarette smoke. Both my parents were blowing smoke (laughs) all the time. I was sent into grocery stores with 50 cents to buy cigarettes all the time. Go buy me a pack of cigarettes. I was said, light me a cigarette. I've lit cigarettes. I mean, it's a, it is God's holy grace and a praying grandmother that I didn't smoke. Amen. Amen. Boy, I tell you, what a tempt, you know, now, then my, now my parents are both quit. And, uh, I'm thankful for that. And, uh, you know, I didn't even know I stunk all my life. I didn't, I didn't know we stunk. I didn't know our house stunk. Man, I was raised in it. My mother smoked while I was in the womb. She didn't even know any better. You know? Uh, and uh, my, uh, you know, I have to really guard on that. You know, get me in a restaurant and somebody's smoking and non-smoking. Boy, I can get... Whew, pray for me to walk in love. You know what I'm saying? Amen. God's dealing with me to love. And you know, I I brought up smoking. You know, a lot of us have habits and addictions that just don't affect other people so much. You know, it's not really my righteousness that makes me hate smoking. It's because it's my selfishness that makes me hate smoking. Why? Because if you dip or spit, I could care less. I don't have to breathe it. See, that's just pure selfishness, isn't it? God's dealing with me about loving smokers. and <laughs> That fine line that we have there. That fine line where we, oh, I love you, till you infringe on me. I love you till you inconvenience me. The Lord, you know, kind of, I'm going to close with this, but it's time, but I thought, well, you know, why are some people hard to love? I mean, why do I find certain people hard to love? Why do you find some people hard to love? And he said, well, and why are people unlovely? And a lot of times it relates back to our fears. Our fears. In relationships, there's certain fears, about four fears that drive most of us. And each of you will have one specific. I could probably nearly point to you and tell you which one yours is. Leanne and I were talking about her mom earlier this evening, and they're moving to Alabama. And she's scared. She is just in a panic over it. And um, uh, Myron says, because she's never lived anywhere but New Mexico. <laughs> never been out of New Mexico. And, you know, I said, you know what it is? It's just that fear of, that fear of uh, uh, loss of security, that fear of change. That's all it is. That is all it is, just raising up in, in, in her. And, you know, that's a fear that drives a lot of people. And in our fear, it's real easy to step out of love. Amen? In our fear... It's real easy. Like, for instance, some are, have this, or are, are tempted with this fear, the fear of being taken advantage of. You, it, you know, some people, that fear can control your life. And if you ever even get a breath, an inkling, that somebody's trying to take advantage of you, you know what you'll do if you aren't guarding yourself? You'll overreact and step out of love. Amen? And, you know, there's a... One personality that, that is the fear of rejection tries to dominate people's lives. And you know, the fear of rejection will cause you to walk out of love. You know why? Because you know how the fear of rejection reacts? 
The fear of rejection, if I've got a fear of rejection, what I'll do is I'll reject you first so you before you can reject me. Amen. I know I had a friend in high school, I think I've told you about her before, and she's real she's pretty really a pretty girl. Had that China complexion and you know, blonde hair and real pretty girl, and she's only girl, two brothers, and her daddy called her doll. All our lives he said doll, you know. And she was his doll. And when she was, after we were married, she had a, a brain tumor. And when they took it out, they damaged the nerves in her face and her eye doesn't do quite right and her mouth doesn't do quite right now. And I, after that happened, I'd meet her in the grocery store and I couldn't figure this out. And she'd always reject me. I could feel that wall. I could feel her reject me and push me away. I'm like, why is she rejecting me? And then I figured it out. She rejects me first before I can reject because she's afraid I'm going to reject her. But see, we got to deal with those things that are fears in our lives that cause us to overreact and walk out of love or cause us to reject somebody before they can... Because we're afraid they're going to reject us, not approve of us, not love us. we got to deal with those things or we'll never walk in love. Well, in my case, and I think I've told you this before, the fear of being taken advantage of. So what do I try to do? Somebody, a smoker, smoking and non-smoking. What is that? They are taking advantage of me. Temptation to overreact. Temptation not to walk in love. You know, telemarketing. I figured it out. I just abhor telemarketing. I know some of you work in telemarketing. And, and I, but it's just like, oh, you know. And, uh, you, but you know what it is? You're taking advantage of me. You're calling me. You're infringing on my time. You're invading my privacy. You know, fear of being taken advantage of. What caused me to walk out of love? Boy, we've got some challenges, don't we? If God's saying love smokers smoking and non-smoking, love telemarketers, love them. This is a challenge for us. This is a challenge for me. I mean, I can answer the phone. Now, you say, well, Miss Debbie, why do you even answer when it says out of area? Well, I tell you why. We got about four friends that come up out of area, Pastor Eric West being one of them. I don't know why he always comes up out of area. And so I go ahead and answer the thing. Uh, or, and you know, and when I find out it's a telemarketer, I immediately found myself jumping to the defensive. And the other night, it was just like, I, they asked me questions. And it's like, I want to say none of your business, but I'll, they'll say, are you having a good day today? And I'm going, I go, uh, yes. And so this one guy said to me the other day, he said, well, you really sound happy tonight. <laughs> I thought, I bet. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, all I'm sharing with you, I'm, I, you know, I'm real candid about things that are God's dealing with me on and, and weaknesses in my own life. I hope you don't misunderstand that. Some people are uncomfortable with it, but I look at it like this way. You're going to figure out sooner or later that I'm human, and I'd rather tell you than you find it out and be surprised. And so I'm telling you that I'm human, and I know you are, and I know you have some things to overcome if you're going to walk in love. Amen. Amen. I know you have your little areas that set you off and tick you off. And um, you do. All of us do. Amen? And God's calling us to a love walk. God's calling us to be ambassadors. That when they see us, they see the love of God. Amen? We're going to have to develop that fruit. This doesn't happen overnight. We're going to have to develop it. And to develop it, we've got to make a commitment to it. We've got to commit. And when you commit to something, you always are supposed to count the cost. And to love people, there's going to be a cost. And the cost, it's going to cost you to walk in love. It's going to cost you time sometimes. Amen? You know, I, I wonder sometimes what I'm in such a blooming hurry about. We, my pastor says, hurry up to wait. A lot of times, isn't that what we do? We hurry, 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 so we can get somewhere and wait. That's what we did when we went to Texas. We hurried so fast to get out there. I mean, we're just beating the road. Just as hard as we can beat it. And you know, we get there at Tuesday at noon, and what do we do? We sit all week and wait for a party on Saturday night. Now I know we're visiting with people, but it's like, why did we hurry so hard? It's just in our society. Amen? And so, 
To work, to, to love people sometimes is going to cost us time. To love people sometimes is going to cost us money. And it's going to cost us effort. It's going to cost us our opinion. We're going to have to, you know, not be so free to give our opinion if we're going to walk in love, if we're going to love people. Isn't that right? Well, y'all stand up together with me. Thank you, Jesus.